Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Uh, I must admit that I, I feel a bit knocked out this morning. I, I wasn't expecting that, <laughs> really. Like, I really feel like God is present in this room this morning. God is on the move. He's doing something in our church. He's doing something in, in our city. <laughs> and I just feel like, I mean, I, a better strategy to start off a sermon would be to, to say some kind of joke. But I feel like I, I don't want to stop what God is starting here already now. So it's so good to, to see you in church this morning. Um, I wasn't sure if the rain was going to work to our benefit. It was actually, I was a bit scared that people wouldn't come because of the rain. But it turns out that rain then is better than, than sunshine. I mean, the church is packed here today, and I'm so glad uh, to be sharing this message with you this morning because I really believe that God has something for you directly from heaven for you this morning, and that is my prayer for you today. So during the Easter season, we have been focusing on different perspectives of the most significant event in history. When God himself took on humanity's sin and died for us on the cross so that we could restore our relationship with God. You're all with me on that, right? The importance of Easter. And throughout this season, we have been exploring the story of Mary Magdalene and the other women around Jesus. We have tried, as Matthew mentioned before, we've tried to understand Judas's role and maybe a bit of an explanation around his betrayal. We have been moved about the story of, with a thief on the cross. And also, last week, we were encouraged by, by Peter a denier who became the first church builder. So my name is Lynn Style. I'm one of the leaders here in the church. I've been coming to this church for the past 14 years, and I'm so privileged to be sharing this message here with you today. And I'm going to try to take off now where all the others, in over four weeks, we've been uh, entering into the series. We've been discovering different people in the Bible, and today we're going to wrap the series up. And I think that sometimes, you know, reading the Bible from this human perspective, I do think that it helps us to understand our own journey a bit more. And I'm not sure if you're like me, um, but being a bit of a history geek, I, I find it quite fun too. It is fun to discover these people, to discover the stories around, with the people around Jesus. And Maybe you're like me. I mean, I've read the Bible pretty much my whole life, starting with a children's Bible, and then I've couldn't continue to read. I've been going to Bible school. And I mean, I've read this, this book many, many times in different forms and versions. But through these case studies, through like reading about these different peoples around Jesus, I've actually rediscovered and discovered new things things that I wasn't aware of before. So small pieces of information or maybe emphasis on different wordings in the different Gospels that somehow put this larger picture together. Can anybody relate to that? I don't know how, how it works. Like, I mean, how God just keeps on revealing things. I mean, it's the Word of God, right? 
So today, uh, I'm going to wrap up this series with another important eyewitness of the Easter story. And my hope is that maybe those of you who struggle a bit to relate to Peter's spontaneous, explosive faith, those who cannot but sometimes doubt God's power, because maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you are questioning your part in the salvation story. And my prayer is that you will be leaving this room feeling a bit stronger today. That God will touch your heart and confirm your place because you do have a place. As we through the disciple Thomas explore how we can turn our doubts into faith. And that's what I really love the last song, Gladys and the worship team. I mean, turn things around. I mean, I really feel like, okay, God is, God is on something here. That song goes so well with, with my message here today. So let us pray together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. I thank you that you have brought us here together in this church in C3 Malmö for a reason. I thank you, Father, that you want to do your work today. You want to turn things around. You want to touch our spirits and you want to confirm who we really are, that you are our Father and that we are your children and that you have a plan, you have a purpose for us here on earth. So I pray that today as we read about Thomas, as we learn about maybe his mistakes or the things that he did, that somehow you will come and you will turn things around in our lives today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and be present. We know that you're already here, but come and have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. So Thomas, he's not the most prominent of, of Jesus' 12 disciples. And as a matter of fact, he's only mentioned eight times in the New Testament. That, that was new to me. And four of these times, literally, he's only mentioned in a list of names. So just one among the other disciples. But what we do know about him from the Bible is mainly from the Gospel of John, where the most well-known part is from chapter 20, where Thomas doubts the resurrected Christ. I think you're aware of the story. So what happens before leading up to this event is basically that... Um, that Jesus reveals himself to, to Mary Magdalene and the other women. They tell the disciples. And then as the disciples are hiding away in a locked room, they were actually locking the doors. It was so dangerous around this time. I mean, the whole political situation. Jesus had just been killed. It was dangerous to be a follower of Christ around these times. So the disciples, what did they do? I mean, they were hiding. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And then Mary Magdalene comes and says, I have seen Jesus. And as they're sitting there, afraid, in the room, hiding, what happens? Right, Jesus, he reveals himself to them. He stands there in front of them. And Jesus, he shows his hands and he shows his side. And what happens? Of course, they're overjoyed because their Savior has resurrected. He is alive. But for some reason, the disciple Thomas, he isn't there. And I don't know the reason for him not being there with the other disciples. 
Maybe, you know, his best, one of his best friends had just been murdered. Maybe he was overwhelmed with sadness. I mean, just try to put yourself in Thomas's shoes. I don't know, like, I, I'm not sure if I would be able to get out of bed if I had experienced the same thing as the disciples had just experienced. I'm actually not sure if I would. Maybe he was simply, he was afraid. He was afraid of what the Jewish people would do to him. Maybe he was afraid of having to go the same journey as Jesus himself. I'm just speculating here, but maybe he was so disappointed in God for what had happened that he decided not to turn up again. Have you ever been so disappointed with God that you have considered stop coming to church? I have been there, if I'm honest with you. But then, the disciples, they tell Thomas, so somehow they found, find him, whether he's in his bed or whether he's hiding, I don't know where he is, but they find him and they, says, they say that we have seen the resurrected Christ. And this kind of leads us into the story of John 20, uh, which I would like to read to you today. So it says here that now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them that unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Maybe that is you. You know, other people have told you about miracles. Other people have told you about what Jesus has done. But there is still something in you that feel like I have to see it for myself if I'm going to be able to believe. But what happens then in the story? And it says here that a week later, they were in the house again and Thomas was with them. So this is an important part in the Bible. They're actually pointing out that he did turn up. So somehow there was still something within him that wanted to believe. He wanted to see Jesus. And again, the doors were locked. But though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he turns to Thomas and he says, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas says to him, My Lord, my God. So he turns his doubt into a confession. He has seen the resurrected Christ. And then Jesus tells him that because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And I'm sorry, my friends, but that goes for most of us here today. We can take inspiration from Thomas, you know. He was one of the closest people to Jesus. But I think that the calling after Thomas is discovered, that is a word for us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So first of all, I mean, what a beautiful story. That God knows our hearts so intimately that he wants us. He wants us to believe. And in Thomas's case, this is literally the moment when his life is turned around forever. 
And yet we tend to stop the story here. But this is how I grew up to know Thomas, as Thomas the doubter. Has anyone heard it, that before? Okay, the disciples, you have Peter, the faithful disciple, but then you have Thomas, the doubter. And I feel a bit sorry for the guy, because the other's disciple most likely they doubted too. They, saw, they just saw Jesus a week before. But somehow, this is how he has gone down in history, so the past 2,000 years. Okay, Thomas the doubter. I hope that I will be remembered in a little bit more of a positive light. I don't, I'm not sure about you. But um, even though this is how I grew up to know Thomas, I actually had a little bit of an eye-opener to Thomas's story a few years back when I read a book by a writer and a pastor that many of us had the privilege to listen to earlier this year at the ecumenical service in St. Johannes Church. And it is Pastor Thomas Hudin. Uh, I love his writings, uh, his podcast. He's a well-known speaker at National Radio in Sweden as well. And in his beautifully written book, directly translated from, from Swedish, it's called The One Who Finds His Place Won't Take Someone Else's. And here, he unravels the story about his namesake, Thomas Didymus, a young man called by Jesus to become his disciple. And in his book, Hudin, he follows Thomas's footsteps from northern Israel on a pilgrimage literally to the end of the earth. Because, my friends, the story about Thomas's, it is so much more than just doubt. And I don't know about you, but maybe, just like Adiemi shared about earlier today, thank you for that beautiful testimony, Adiemi. Maybe you feel like you have reached your own personal ceiling, maybe a ceiling of faith. But thankfully, God doesn't stop at our limits. And to quote Hudin, he says that you cannot live by doubts but you can live by faith. And I think that is so good, so I'm going to repeat it and say it one more time. You cannot live by doubts, but you can live by faith. And today, my prayer for you is that your doubts will be transitioned into faith. That somehow God will come and turn things around, just like in the song that we sang earlier. I pray that God will be able to give you faith for your life and for your family situation, for your work, for your neighbors. Maybe you're thinking about what your calling in life is. You're thinking about your future. My prayer is that God will give you, he will send you in the right direction. Because just like Thomas, your story doesn't end with your doubts. Are you willing to allow Jesus to respond to your doubts today? And I said that, as I said before, like I didn't know so much more, uh, or we don't know so much more about Thomas from the Bible. I mean, he's not mentioned that many times. But we, probably what we do know is that he was a fisherman from Galilee. We're not completely certain but at least he does go fishing with some of the other disciples from Galilee in John 21. But one thing that we can be certain about is that 
Most likely, or no, it is a fact. He was a twin. Is it anybody who can relate to that? John, you know what it's like to be a twin. Maybe somebody else. I don't know, I have two sets of twin cousins. I'm not sure if that, that is enough. But it says in the Bible that he's mentioned as Thomas Didymus. And the word Didymus literally means twin in Greek. And just the, the fun fact also that Thomas means twin in Aramaic kind of indicates that this was a very strong part of his identity. He was called the twin, the twin. Okay, so, so I mean, like, most likely that meant something. And since names meant a lot to people around these times, I think that we can pretty much state this as a fact. But who this twin brother or who this twin sister was, we, we don't know. And actually, it's not very important to my message here today. But maybe there is someone in here who feels twinship with Thomas here today. Maybe he is your Easter person, the person that you can relate to in a special way. So let's unravel the story a little bit more. So out of these four passages about Thomas, the first one is found in John 11. And here, it is a little bit ironic, but here, actually, Thomas, he speaks about his confidence to follow Jesus. And the story is that Lazarus has just died. The word reaches Jesus, and, and from what we know, like, I mean, Lazarus is a good friend of Jesus. But it is dangerous for Jesus to return to Judea because of the political situation. So if Jesus goes to Lazarus, it might be, he might actually be killed. And also, all those people walking with Jesus, they might actually be killed too. So that's why, like, it takes a few days, as we know, before Jesus actually goes there. But here, in this story, we hear Thomas's voice for the first time. And his first biblical statement says, in John 11, Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So here, he is expressing his faithfulness to following Jesus, even to death. And I think here we can see that Thomas, he's not just a doubter, he's actually a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. He has been chosen by Jesus. He had left his hometown, most likely he had also left his twin. And he literally walked with Jesus for three years. He saw, he heard all the teaching, he saw a lot of miracles. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was committed. Do we have any committed churchgoers in the building here today? People that turn up on a rainy day to go to church. Maybe even on a, on a sunny day, you would still turn up to church. That you have decided to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're considering, who is this Jesus? I'm interested in following Jesus. Maybe that's why you are here today. Maybe you read your Bible faithfully. You know that this is the life that God has called you to live. Okay, then you are like Thomas. The second time when we encounter Thomas in the Bible is just before the Easter story. Jesus has just predicted uh, Thomas's denial, and he comforts his disciples. And here we're going to turn to John 14, 1 to 4. If you have your Bibles with me, please make sure also to, to dig in to the word. 
And it says here, Jesus basically comforts his disciples and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. But then Thomas replies, and he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And I must admit that I, I love Thomas for, for asking this question. I mean, here Jesus is, I mean, it's Jesus, he's speaking the truth, and he's saying to his disciples, you know where I'm going, right? And then Thomas actually dares to say, Lord, we don't know where, we, where you're going, He's actually very, very honest with his, with his feelings here. So first of all, Thomas, he actually dares to ask a question. He's not questioning Jesus, but he, uh, he dares to ask, okay, I don't understand. I don't see how this is going to work out. And here, I mean, Jesus is talking about some quite heavy stuff. Would you have dared to stop and ask that question? So the disciples knew that things were about to happen. But since Thomas was able, or since he dared to ask the question, Jesus was able to reply with one of the New Testament's most famous and loved passages. So Jesus answers to Thomas's question, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father in heaven as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So, to everyone in here, to all of those of you here who like to question things, then Thomas is your guy. Because the right question might also bring out the right answer. If you are allowing God to breathe his life into your questioning, and just think about it. I mean, even Jesus, he asked people a lot of questions with a purpose. I mean, he wanted to make people think. It's not just statement after statement after statement. It's actually trying to see, okay, how can we get people to think? Because I truly believe that God has given us our intelligence for a reason. He wants to work not only with our hearts, but he also wants to work with our minds. And I want to encourage you today to allow God to use your intelligence, to use your thinking. But in that, I mean, also ask God to, to ask, to help you ask life-giving questions. Because there is a fine balance. I mean, we just don't want to be questioning people. Then it becomes something different. But if we carry on in the story then, what happens? Okay, so after Jesus has said these things, he is arrested and later crucified, as we have read now over the last couple of weeks. We know now that Thomas is not there the first time when, when Jesus appears to the disciples. But then Jesus actually comes back and speaks directly to his doubts. He allows Thomas to touch his wounds so that he could restore his faith. And the question then in Thomas' life, if we're following his journey, is what happens next? What does he do? Does he stop as Thomas the doubter? Well, what is the rest of the story. 
And I think that we can see quite clearly that Thomas says he doesn't, he doesn't stop here. He's asking God, like, I mean, turn things around. But then his doubts are actually turned into faith. So in the following chapter, Jesus reappears to his disciples again in John 21. And here Thomas and a few of the other disciples are fishing in Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, on Peter's initiative, of course, just like Christelle preached about last week. And here the disciples, they went out on another fishing trip as they used to do. And again, it seemed like a failure. But later, this failure resulted in a miracle. Because Jesus appears to the disciples for the third time. And this time, no one questions him. It says that they all knew that it was the Lord. And since we knew that Thomas was actually with them, we know that, okay, he wasn't doubting Jesus anymore. He knew that God had raised him from the dead. And Thomas's doubt, as I said, it had been turned into faith. And with his faith in the resurrected Christ, he was able to respond to Jesus' calling in a spectacular way. And it is worded so well in the Gospel of Matthew. And here it says that all the 11 disciples, apart from Judas, then, all the 11 disciples were there. So we know for certain that, that Thomas was present here too. Because Jesus has told the disciples that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. And in Thomas's case, he didn't let his doubts limit him. And thankfully, he didn't take offense to Jesus' rebuke about unbelief. Because you could actually kind of read that into Jesus' statements as well. Thomas's, Thomas, sorry, he decided to stay. He decided to, to remain faithful in his faith. And even though uh, the story about Thomas kind of ends there in the Gospels, we don't know so much about what happens to him in the book of Acts. So here... We have to go into the writings of the early church to find out what actually happened to Thomas. So the story is that the apostles allegedly casted lots about where to spread the gospel. And Thomas, I guess he kind of lost because he was the one that was sent the furthest away from the known world around that time. And I do believe that we have some people in the building today that are very, very grateful for that. Joyce and Francis and Bristow and Jen and all our Indian friends, because Thomas, he was actually sent to uh, the area that is known as India today. He takes Jesus' mission, the mission, you know, to go out and make disciples, he takes that very, very seriously. It is a long journey. He's probably never going to see his family again. Maybe he's never going to see his twin again. But he decides to go. He spreads the good news of the, of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And the church history or the, uh, you know, the story says that he plants seven churches in, in uh, the area. I think it's around Kerala in India. And the estimated numbers of believers today is over 7 million people. Throughout history, throughout these 2,000 years, I mean, millions upon millions of people have gotten to know Christ through Doubting Thomas. 
Isn't that amazing? What is your part of this story? Because maybe you are sitting here today and you long for God to turn your doubts into faith. That you might have prayed for Jesus to reveal himself to you. You want to see his wounds. You want to see for yourself that it is real. To convince you that, okay, this is the thing. You're longing for God to take you on the journey of faith. You're longing to be used as a vessel for God on his mission. And I can tell you right now that you are in the right place. I mean, coming to church is a good thing because you are among people who desire the same thing. And somehow, I mean, we are people who in a very, very secular environment somehow have found faith in Jesus. Because doubting, my friends, is not the same thing as unbelief. And I think that somehow we just have to admit that doubts and doubting things is actually a part of our journey. But what should we do then when doubts appear in our lives? Okay, so if you feel like, okay, something is happening here, I can't explain. The first thing that I want to give to you is to don't deny your doubts. And I don't know about you, but maybe there are some people in here who feel like there hasn't really been room for questioning. I mean, I, as, as I mentioned, some of you know my story, but I mean, I grew up in a, in a Christian family, but I didn't grow up in a church. I'm raised in a very, very secular environment. And in the secular environment, we are trained to question things. You hear me? Okay, maybe somebody has the same experience. That is how we're trained to do in school, in life in general. And then when I joined church as a young adult, I realized that it wasn't always okay to question things in church, things that I didn't understand. I don't know if anybody else maybe has the same experience. Maybe we have some people here who carry a bit of hurt from your past, that you believe you love Jesus, but there might not have been room in church for your questions. And don't get me wrong, I think there is a, a balance between sound questioning and questioning that turns into uncertainty, maybe even agnosticism. So I'm sorry, I, I don't think that those kind of doubts, of un, kind of unbelief, well, those things, they will put the ceiling on your life. The only thing that Jesus cannot work with is unbelief, he says, you know. But I do stand firm that we believe in a God that is not offended by your questions, a God who wants to give us answers and an understanding of his salvation plan. And here, we can see that Thomas, he shows us that it is okay to be completely honest with our feelings in front of Jesus. Sometimes we don't have the capacity within ourselves to believe. Sometimes these questions are needed to keep faith instead of losing faith. Okay, so don't deny your questions or your doubts. That is the first thing. The second thing, though, if doubts appear, the second thing that I want to leave you with today is don't make them a big deal. Sometimes we will fully understand God's plan, 
And other times we will have to make a choice to choose to believe anyways. One of my husband Justin's favorite authors, Brian Sand, put it this way, that Christianity is a confession and not an explanation. We will always confess more than we can explain. And I stand here on stage today, and I confess that I doubt on a, on a regular basis. I doubt sometimes if God really can perform miracles. Why? Because I'm afraid of being seen as a fool in a secular environment. Sometimes I doubt my own capacity and my own ability. I doubt my part in the story. I doubt if I am a good witness to people around him that don't know him yet. But over the years and with my 37 years of wisdom, I've learned that my strength isn't always my faith, but my faithfulness. I don't always feel it, but I choose to believe. I choose to come back after a bad day or after an argument. I choose to come back after making a fool of myself, which happens on a regular basis. I choose to deal with my hurt. And I choose to say those magical words. I'm sorry, both to myself, to others, and to God. So whatever your doubts are, you are most likely in a room together with people who are dealing with the same thing. Don't make them bigger than they are. It's part of being human. Okay? So don't make your doubts bigger than they are. And that kind of leads me to the third point, and I'm going to ask the band to come up. The third thing that I want to encourage you to do if doubts appear is to bring your doubts to church. Because the question here is, was Thomas a man of doubt, or was he a great man of faith? And after reflecting upon his life story, I think we can, we can kind of agree upon that his legacy of faith far outweighs his moment of doubt. So what is going to define your faith? Or what is going to define your, your life, I should say? Are there those moments of doubt? Or is it your faithfulness to keep on turning up, to keep on confessing? I mean, just like Thomas said, you know, he had his doubts, and then Jesus revealed himself to us. And what did he do? He said, my Lord, my God. But sometimes I think that that is what we have to do. We have to confess who he is in our lives. Are you with me, church? We are a church of fellow believers who can carry each other through seasons of doubt. We can help each other to not be crushed by disappointment, by the sharing of our faith. I mean, that's what we're here for. That's why we have the connect groups. That is why we're, we're praying together. 
And then also, the Holy Spirit sees to it that when one is weak, the other, the other is strong. That is his church. Because, my friends, we were not meant to do it alone. So if you feel like you have been reaching your own personal ceiling here today, you might feel like, okay, I feel that dryness. I feel like, I, I mean, I can't do it. I'm doubting my place. I'm doubting God. Will you allow God to come and speak his truth into your life today? Will you allow him to open up your hearts so that you can see him, so that you can confess my Lord and my God? And we're going to continue today. We are going to uh, worship more together. And I want to encourage you to open up your hearts today. And also, if you feel like God has been speaking to you, maybe you feel like, okay, there is actually something that I would like to pray for. Maybe I would like to share something. Or maybe I just want to be silent. That is fine as well. But I want to encourage you to, to come forward. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be here. would love to pray together with you. Maybe there is even someone or a few people in here who haven't made a decision yet. If you want to follow Jesus, you haven't made that initial confession, my Lord and my God, I would love to introduce you to him. I would love to, for you to be able to, uh, to feel faith in your life. So as I invite you now, we're all going to stand up together. I just want to encourage you to just let go of all the other things on the side. Don't think about the fika that you're going to eat afterwards or like what's happening this afternoon. But I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus this morning. And I would like us to, to earnestly cry out to the Lord, to the Lord. Allow him to turn your faith around. God bless you.